Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Author to Author podcast. I am your host, Pamela R. Haynes, award-winning author of two books called Loving the Brothers and Loving the Sisters. I interview independently published and traditionally published authors from around the globe. The Author to Author podcast is available on 20 plus streaming platforms and six radio stations, namely East London Radio Mixcloud, Pantango Radio, UK246.com, Chalkhill Community Radio, LWR Talk Radio, and the Sounds of My Life radio station. The podcast is sponsored by Dalgetty Herbal Teas. Use the discount code A2AS6 for 10% off your next Dalgetty tea order. In this week's episode, we are back in beautiful Barbados by way of France and the United Kingdom with my guest Tamar Mason, author of Caribbean Vegan. Let's jump into her interview now. See you on the other side. Hello there, Tamar. Thank you so much for joining me on the Author to Author podcast. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Pamela. No problem at all. I've been stalking you on Instagram for a little while. So when I saw your new book that you've just released come out and following a a conversation I had with Garfield Robinson as well, I thought, right, I must try at least to get you on the show. So I'm delighted to have you. But Tamar, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your heritage and where do you live now? Okay, well, I'm born in Barbados. I was born and raised in Barbados. I am a food scientist by profession. I dabble in a lot of things. I went natural in the year 2000. Um, That was before natural hair was popular. And I've always had an interest in natural hair and natural hair products. As a scientist, you can be very multidisciplinary. So um, you don't always focus on food. Um, Sometimes I dabble in hair and hair care and skincare, other things like that. I'm an only child. And I grew up with both of my parents in Barbados. And uh, one thing I will say is that they really nurtured me a lot and helped me to achieve my goals. I didn't really know what I wanted to do after school, and they helped to point me in, th- in different directions. And whatever direction I wanted to go in, they were okay. In terms of cooking, I learned to cook pretty late by Caribbean standards, and they learned to cook at 14 years old. And that's pretty late in the Caribbean. Because I was so interested in reading Nancy Drew and everything else, I didn't care about cooking. And, you know, as I was getting older, I remember an aunt came in from overseas. She was living in the States for a long time. And she said, uh, a Bajan saying, handful of gold can't wash a bowl. And that means that pretty Caribbean girls that would never learn to cook. And that was the expectation um, back then when I was growing up that you needed to cook. And I only was interested in it because I like food, but I wanted to make it better. And I remember when I was three years old, I never forget me asking my parents this because I was very chatty. I told them um, they had Sunday food, the typical spray rice and peas, chicken and everything else. And I said to them, why can't we eat something different on Sundays? <laughs> and they said to me, but what else can we eat, Tamar? And they were like, with their hand up in the air, like, what else can we eat, Tamar? So I always had an interest in food. Um, 
a summer, um, I stayed in Barbados because I usually used to go to Canada on vacation. But that year, I remember my father said he didn't have any money to send me to Canada. And I stayed at home that year, that summer. And I watched local TV. And they were showing a lot of shows from Europe, from everywhere, of cooking. And I fell in love with cooking. And I took a notepad empty book and I just wrote down everything the person was saying back then we didn't have social media or anything with text you had to write down everything the person was saying to get the recipes right and I went into the kitchen and I tried things it didn't work at first the first thing I made was chicken stew and it ended up tasting like chicken soup but then it got better as time went by um we had a garden out back We've had that had dill, had really um different varieties of basil, um, and so many different things in the garden. I started to bring the things in our kitchen garden into the house to integrate into the cooking. And that's how I got into cooking. Then the next year I went into food and nutrition because you had different um GCEs, CXCs to do in Barbados. And I did food and nutrition. Um, my food and nutrition um, teacher, she saw that I really had a thirst for doing more. And she let me have free reign over what I wanted to cook for my exam. I didn't stick to the um, uh, to what they were telling us. I did things that I didn't even test. And I got um, a, a good grade. And that's how I got into okay. cooking. I mean, you have you have sped off like um, Usain Bolt. <laughs> so I'm going to have to pull you back a little bit from the beginning because I want my yeah. listeners to be able to follow. So you're born and bred in Barbados. You yeah. talked about CXCs. So which parish do you hail from and what school did you go to? Okay, so I uh, was born and raised in Bridgetown. I'm a town girl. When I was eight years old, my father moved us into the suburbs. Basically, I would say I come from Christchurch. So I'm from there. I went to school from Christchurch. Guess what? In St. Andrew at the Allen School. So I had to wake up at five o'clock every day to get out of the house early to get to Allen School on time. And that time we didn't have the zoning or anything. So I had to suck it up and go to Allen School for five years. <laughs> so then you finished school. You did your CXCs. And then you said yeah. you went and you studied food nutrition. At which college was that? I didn't do food and nutrition, so I only did food and nutrition up to CXC level. Uh, afterwards, I went to do physics, biology, and chemistry at the Barbados Community College, and I also did some French, and then I dropped out of community college after one year. It was really hard. Um, I was accustomed coming first in class, but when you have that transition to college, I, I couldn't deal with it. And I wasn't used to being getting 50% anything. And and that I, I had to take a step back. So I decided to go and work uh, for a few years. So I worked for two years and I worked in banking. It was Barclays back then. I worked in banking. I worked in all sorts of things at that time. And I was at that time trying to find myself. Um, it was in 2003 that I um, went to the University of the West Indies and I went back to the same thing that, that finished me, um, biology, chemistry and physics. And I was successful at, at, um, at university at a higher level because I was older, I was more mature. And I did a major in microbiology, ecology and philosophy. Um, so I, I did those three things together. Um, I was I wanted to have be in liberal arts, but I also wanted to be in science. I couldn't I couldn't pick a lane. But while being at um the University of, of the West Indies, I got a job um on the summer at um High Plat Limited Barbados, and that is the company responsible for all the famous Beijing ham and everything. And I started to work there. And um, my boss, Edward Masaya, 
really honing on my skills. He saw that I had an interest in cooking and and I was good at it and I was good at the science and everything together. And that summer they gave me solo products, um, projects to work alone. And I was able to develop products for um, Farmer's Choice um, and, and that brand Eve and that kind of thing. And that's how I got into food science by accident. And it, I loved it a lot. Um, I've worked in all aspects of food. Afterwards, I got married, I moved to France. Then I moved to St. Martin, which is a French. Okay. okay, okay. I need to pull you back. I need to pull you back as well because you're, you're you're dropping so many interesting nuggets there. For my listeners, tell us what is food scientist and what is yeah, food science. I will. So when people hear food science, they don't even know what it is. The layman is not going to know what it is. But as long as you're going to the supermarket and there's a nutritional fat at, on the back of pat, a food scientist has made that. Uh, people think that things from the supermarket come out of the sky. <laughs> like, how do they come to being? And they're very difficult to make. Something as simple as pasta might be giving a food scientist a lot of trouble. So food scientists are scientists who deal with food safety. They can also um, they can also deal with food safety in terms of outbreaks. And we can also deal with mostly the development of food products to make them safe, to make them um, look attractive, to make them having all the nutrients. That is who makes your food in the supermarket, food scientists. Thank you so much for that explanation because um, when you just hear the words, you, you know, I'm a lay it person. Goes over I really head. don't know yeah. what that is. I didn't really appreciate that somebody would have had to look and inspect our food more closely to be able to produce the labels that we see on the back of food and drinks. So that's so that's good to know. So yeah. then fast forward a little bit, you're, you're, you're doing that. You mentioned somewhere along the line that you got married, which you look way too young. You look like you just finished school, but you, um, what year did you get married and why did you travel to France? Um, I traveled to France. I am actually this, I'm going into my third marriage. So I am a vampire. <laughs> I am a vampire, I will say, but I, I went to France in 2008 at that time because my ex-husband he was from France and um he was vegan and I was no I had no turn uh vegan as well so it was kind of a match made in heaven because there was a lot for me to learn from him and a lot for him to learn from me and it's and it's with him and in that particular marriage and 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 Caribbean vegan the book that we're talking about today came out of that Caribbean vegan came out of me moving to a country where I knew no one, where I couldn't get employed as yet, even if I spoke French, and I had nothing to do. And back then, there wasn't really a lot of social media, but there were blogs. And I started a blog, and I started to blog about the food that I missed from Barbados. And I decided that, you know, I think I thought it was really good. And I started to remake things like macaroni pie. I started to turn it into vegan, vegan fish cakes. I started to convert, I started to crave fish. So I took the sour, the green sour up and I cut it and I like, salted it, washed it off, seasoned it, fried it, turned it into uh, vegan fish. So a lot of experimentation came about um, in 2008 to 2010. I approached the experiment but um book publishing company in New York City in 2009 and I said to them hey I have this amazing idea for a cookbook it's Caribbean vegan the experiment wrote back to me the next day and said yes we are in and I got a book deal in one day and that's not normal <laughs> that's not normal no <laughs> 
no it's not normal at all but you know when you have a unique idea like that and yeah right now veganism is on vogue you know you may have been doing it for you know at least 16 years or so you know yeah, you were the yeah. one of the first people in but in terms of it being on trend and on vogue and all of that you know yeah. every other person I know now is a vegan I mean back in the day they used to call it idle you know, but you know yeah. now they've adopted this word and calling it and telling us that it's vegan but we know that it's idle food idle. so it's really interesting to see how your journey was in terms of taking what we already know and then converting that into a vegan recipe so who did you say the publishers were and they, what um, were the challenges it, of doing a cookbook sure I have <laughs> good, um, good question Pamela so the publisher is the experiment publisher in New York they wrote so many amazing titles. If you can go on their website, you can see so many great vegan titles over the last couple of years. The challenges that I faced is that I only had three months to write the book. I had the book in my head, but it's just then, then to get it uh, um, on the pages. And I wasn't working, thank goodness. So I had time to do 10 recipes a day and test them. But then I had a sense of community. So I had over 30 testers from all over the world and they will test my recipes as I created them. And they will cook from Germany, some will cook in Japan and they will cook all the recipes and feed it back to me if it was working and everything. So it, it, Caribbean Vegan has a lot of legacy in um, um into it that a lot of people don't know about. And it was from, um, I, I call myself the grandmummy of Caribbean Vegan because I turned 40 this year and then, and, you know, I'm very happy. I feel I feel a sense of accomplishment in terms of turning 40 and everything else. So that um that's how the book came about. Challenges that I face is there are some recipes that were difficult to replicate, and there weren't even things that were that had meat. So I wanted to remake the Bajan salt bread, which is a very traditional bread, and that gave me great to me. It took me nine attempts just to get it close, and I was ready to call it quits at that point. Um, other than that, um, I lived in St. Martin, but a fun fact about St. Martin, I don't know if it's a fun fact, is that it's an island, it's a really small island divided between France and the Netherlands. And what happens on this island is that one where we imagine islands, we think about coconut trees and fruit and everything, but it's not like that. They import everything, uh, which is great and bad at the same time because I got access to a lot of international products that were that I could have cooked a lot of things to get my nutritional yeast and everything that I would have been having problems in Barbados to find. But then it was sometimes it was difficult to find a breadfruit sometimes um, on the island of St. Martin um, because people don't, didn't eat that. It was not a part of their local, local diet. So um, I had to go on the, I lived on the French side. So they had a market that they would get um, produce from Guadeloupe every week and they would buy the ground provisions from there. Um, so that was a really a challenge. Um, I didn't have a lot of challenges. I think the first time getting back a cookbook from the editors with all the markups, that is really intimidating. Um, I wanted to cry because I was very young at that time, I was 26 years old. And I was like, how am I going to do this? But it turned out that it was nothing. All I had to do was accept or reject changes and get it back to them within a, uh, a week or two. And, and, you know, the wait for a cookbook is long. Uh, sometimes it takes about nine to 11 months to turn around a cookbook um, of that nature. And yeah, the, the cookbook that you're holding now is not original. It's the expanded second edition. So in 2016, they wanted to change the cover. And I said, no. 
let's add some recipes because I thought it grew as an author. I grew as a, a cook and I added in more um, things that I learned along the way because you're always learning. Um, I'm always learning. I'm always a student to what is out there. Oh, what a full answer. And the, the cookbook contains over 200 plus recipes. And what I liked about it was the front part was telling you the essentials that you will need in terms of being able to start off your own vegan um, vegan journey. You know, anything yeah, your pantry. from that. That's right, your pantry dishes that you would need. And, you know, that was really cool. You know, things like... Um, pink Himalayan salt and alternatives to margarine and butter and so on. Liquid smoke is definitely some of your staples that you can have here as an introduction. And then you go into your seasonings and sauces as well. Good to see Bajan green seasoning making an yeah. appearance there as well. So you, you've kept it Caribbean, authentically so throughout the book. But for someone who is a beginner i mean um we try to have at least one vegan meal a week so that's my chickpea curry recipe and that's the extent of my repertoire what would you suggest for someone who's just starting out on their journey what are some of the basic recipes from your book that they could start with <laughs> that's a good, good question I would say uh, things like warm pot meals, like the pillow. So there's a pillow in the book. And I think that's very easy to make. It looks long because it has a lot of spices and spices equals flavor. Um, but I think that's one of the staples. I do have a chickpea curry with spinach rice. Uh, spinach rice is very popular in Barbados when I was growing up. And I think that kind of balances the um, the meal a bit. There's there's a lot, but... um. Lentil stew. So I, I hear a lot of chickpeas being used a lot in the UK. Um, lentil is a pulp stew, it's a pea stew, and it's equally tasty. Um, so things like um, lentil stew, black eyed pea stew, um, to diversify your pulses. I think that's a, um, and those are really easy one pot recipes. Um, autumn is coming up, and I have a creamy pumpkin soup that you can uh, use your pumpkin with and that kind of thing. And you can and and it's very Caribbeanized. Um, it's um it's cream. It's um blended. Um, so it's not as Caribbeanized, but it's like a cream of pumpkin soup. And I think that's something that is super easy to pull together in the um um in the middle of the week. And macaroni pie, of course, very simple. I would call it a treat because of the fat content in it. So I wouldn't say to eat that every day. I would say to eat it on special occasions, like for the holidays and that kind of thing. And then you have the um the lentil patty, uh, which is very simple. You can take the lentil stew that you've made and I teach you really, really well in Caribbean vegan how to make pastry. So um you can put that into a patty and start making your own patties and freezing them and eating them a bit later. So I think those are um the staples. Um we have the pello. And there's also like more modern things in the book, like the Caribbean macro bowl, where you're looking and taking Caribbean ingredients and turning it into something that doesn't look Caribbean but has it all the flavor and the ingredients together. And that I think that's um something I'm really interested in, recreating and reimagining Caribbean food um so that other audiences can really zone in on it. Oh, I can make falafel out of plantain. Tell me more. So those are the conversations that I think we need to have in the Caribbean to bridge the gap between our, our food culture and the world. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for donating a copy of 
Caribbean vegan. Um, I am positive that it is going to make a fantastic competition prize um, when our listeners um, hear the question. And you've mentioned planting because that's how I got hold of you um, on or, or caught my interest on Instagram is your second ebook that you have. Um, where are you with that? And what kind of activities have you been doing to promote your books? I wrote that planting book as a dare for my partner. Uh, I told him um, one evening, I can write a book in two days. And he was like, prove it. This is in my new relationship. And I thought it was a very cheeky thing for him to say. So the weekend we got to go, I live in the um, in Norwich. So I had to go and hunt for some plantains in Norwich. And then we basically, I basically stayed at home and I decided to create very imaginative dishes with plantain to start the conversation about plantain. So you have things like plantain milk in that book. And the book is called 10 Things I can make with plantain. I, I hope I'm not calling my book incorrectly. Um, but basically you have things like plantain milk, plantain falafel, plantain hummus, plantain crackers. And we're taking the plantain and putting it into different things that we wouldn't think to eat plantain. We do love a classic fried plantain in the Caribbean, but there's other things that we can do with it. It's a very starchy vegetable. It's sweet when it's ripe and it's on, on sweet when it's not ripe. So there's a lot we can do with it, even plantain pasta. So all of those recipes are in the ebook so i put it out there for my um my followers on instagram but in the next week i'll be putting it on amazon so that people can also buy it on amazon it's only available right now on um, islandlovegourmet.com um so you can get it from there but you can also get it from amazon in the next couple of weeks in terms of promotion i haven't been promoting it that well but i will come it up to veganuary in january when people are ready on the hunt for our vegan recipes for the month of january that's right because it's a takeover that month isn't it when people yeah, try it... to you know try vegan recipes from the first of january until the end of the month so that's fantastic and i just love the way that uh, how colorful both books are the planting book, which I've seen on your Instagram page. And there's yeah. some beautiful photos here. Who was responsible for taking those? Did you work with a photographer? The first um, edition, I worked with my friend, um, Cynthia Nelson. She's an amazing author. You should invite her. She wrote Taste Like Home. I really love that book. Um, I love Guyanese cuisine. And I flew down to Barbados. I was living in St. Martin at, at that time. So it was a case of me driving in my car, leaving my car at the airport and jumping onto Leah at that time and going home into my parents' house and she came over and she shot those pictures and those were lovely. This picture was done in New York from Matthew Benson. He's a full celebrated full photographer in New York City and he did that. What's your second book, The Planting Book? Is that self-published? Yes. Did you work yeah. right? Well, can you tell us what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of A, working with a traditional publisher and B, self-publishing your second book? I self-published lots of other books since then. So there is Vegan Patty Book that I've also published and it's also in hardback and, and it's on Amazon. I did that last year. I did that as a coming out uh, project in terms of I wasn't cooking for a while so I wanted to get back there on the scene so there's um, about 30 um, different recipes in that book with vegan Caribbean patties even a vegan goat patty and all sorts of cool stuff inside of it there's also Caribbean vegan smoothies 
that was done in 2016. That's also another ebook that I did in hardback. The terms of the advantages and disadvantages. So with a celebrated publisher like the Experiment Publishing, get a lot of exposure. So basically when you first publish a book, it goes out to a lot of media houses. And when you self-publish a book and, and you're not an influencer, you don't have access to those um, numbers or those emails or those people. When you get a book deal, you can get into really good magazines. So I've been in Epicure, Delish, The Times, New York Times, like so many different things I've been in, Forbes. And that's when you have a, a publisher. So you get places. You also get invited to amazing book shows. So I got invited to one in Broward County. I went to that twice. Um, Toronto Veg Fest, um, the Miami Book Fest. So you get invited to a lot of those places. And when you get into those spaces, um, you can meet the right people and it can kind of let things go from there. I didn't go to all, so I I, I, I messed it right there. I didn't get to go to all the things I was supposed to go to. Uh, and that's what I have as, a, as an author. But when you self-publish, you have more control about what you want to say. You have more control about the imagery of the book and the and, and and the feeling and it could be just your ego it could be your like like what you want but it might not be what sells so that's also something that somebody that is considering publishing their own book they might think it looks good but it's not what will sell on the market and a book publisher might have more of an eye for what is um for, um, for what sells in terms of profit and money let's talk about money i'm very fortunate to be one of the a long-standing author that had had a book published since 2010 and I'm still collecting royalties from my book uh, every six months and that's crazy people can't believe it and and because it's a classic cookbook and it was done before its time when you do self-publish you get most of the profits but the profits might not be as big as you th as you thought it would be because you might not have the marketing that a book publisher might have so you might not have all the marketing and all the bells and whistles so then sometimes i would say to people yes self-publish to get your feet going but there's lots of publishing houses that are calling for cookbooks right now that are looking for new ideas i have to even start to look them up again if i want to write more i definitely want to write more in my young age <laughs> and um I, I would suggest getting your foot out there, building up a following, writing a book, putting it out there. Don't look to get rich quick. Um, You have to be in it for the long game and putting it out there and then seeing if you can partner with a really good publisher so you can get into those spaces because you, you're not going to get into those spaces at home from Instagram. It doesn't work like that unless you're an influencer. Oh, wow. Lots and lots <laughs> of food for thought there. And I'm glad that you pointed out what some of the advantages and disadvantages may be. I mean, because when you're a self-publisher, you also have to be the marketer. You also have to do your own PR. You have to do your own everything. And it's what so you one can do when you're with a traditional publisher, they've got four people just managing social media and a couple of others who are, who just do PR and a couple more that just do marketing. So yeah, I understand definitely. what the... Yeah, what the stressors and that can be. But what mm -hmm. you did hit on is the fact that you want to write more books. And if that's the case, what kind of books would you like to write? I think I want to write things for the home cook that wants it quick and easy. We live in a TikTok era where we're seeing these recipes. <laughs> it's very fast. 
And the thing is, people still will sometimes still want a traditional book to go in and, and, and look in. So I want to do something that is more simple for the reader. I do, um, oh, I had to point out something. As a cookbook author, if, if that's something somebody wants to do as a career, I would say there's a lot of other things that can come out of you being a cookbook author. You can also go straight for people. Um, so that's what something that I also do um, for people that, that have the book in their head, but they don't have the words. So that's a, a service that you can offer uh, as a cookbook author. And you can also do cooking classes to, um, to, to, to generate money. And you can also sell your own book at events. And, and you can make profit from that when you are with a traditional publisher, uh, when we come down to dollars and cents, because you can buy the book or get the book and then sell it and, and make profit as well for yourself and build yourself, do a book tour around in four different areas and build uh, and build up the awareness. Yeah. Yes, I've seen you on social media doing, I think there were book fairs and you were doing um, a couple of recipes from your book and, you know, people gathered around following through the steps with you, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And I suppose there are many chefs out there who are doing private catering for people who want to experience, um, you know, their cuisine and what they do, which is another area as well. That's so another area. Sometimes, um, yeah, things can get bigger than just the book you know, the book so you can yeah. yeah you can pivot a lot from the book if you want to um and it depends on where you are in your life i do say there's lots of publishing houses that are looking for cookbooks right now and they don't have enough people saying hey i want to write so knock on those doors and a lot of those doors can't open up right now and that can kind of get you going and you know even if you're in the uk it can get you going, like going to the states to do something and you know it makes you feel good it's a sense of accomplishment when you can like move and and, and influence people uh, with your work if people wanted to follow you on social media what are your social media handles um, my current social media handle is I Love Gourmet. That's my business page. Uh, I'm developing a page where I'm going to show people how to do fun stuff um, that they didn't imagine with a Caribbean twist. So I created this ice gold and green pasta shell out of plantains and it's using natural dyes like the beet dye and the spirulina and everything. So I want to kind of play on that I want to showcase certain things like that and I just because I've been cooking for so long I want to in the future have a platform where I'm just cooking and just following my passion I'm not really searching for anything but just in a state of peace following my passion so that's my next move um, in the next couple of years is to just be doing what I, I, I enjoy to do and that's to create so that's the um so if you follow me on I love gourmet um you will hear about the new page eventually <laughs> and then you can follow me on that page where you get more of my creative side Oh, that's fantastic. And um, it's an audio program. So I just want to describe for my listeners, you showed me a bow, um, bow pasta, oh, which was yeah, in yeah. ice gold and green, green yeah. black and gold, which is yeah. just fantastic. Um, and as you said, you, your people will be able to find more, find out more about that when your new page is. Um, new yeah, when I do a new Instagram. Yeah. And remind and us again, where can they get your books from? 
okay, so they can get Caribbean vegan anywhere books are sold, but because Caribbean is getting old, it's a little um anti book now. It's getting in that stage. Um, I do think that they can get it on Amazon in the UK. They can also get it at Waterstones and just Google it. And if you just Google Caribbean vegan and you press shopping, it can pull up wherever that book is available. You can also get it from a lot of independent bookstores like Garfield, Promoting Our Heritage, and also I love books. Okay, I'm butchering that person's, uh, but the other uh, seller, if yeah, um, yeah so you book can love, yeah, um, book love. You can get it from book love. She's lovely. Uh, you can get it from her or the amazing Garfield um, from Independent. And I usually push people to shop more Independent because we need the Independents to keep open, and we and we need to keep them open. Absolutely. Tamar, it's been a whirlwind. I think I'm going to have to go and have a lie down after this interview. You have packed the 40 minutes with so much information. Your energy for what you do is certainly seeping through and something that our listeners will appreciate. So thank you so much for your um, for your time. Let me know when the other books comes online, your other books come online, and perhaps we can have you back to have a catch up. Yes, we can. It was definitely like that. I really enjoyed this um the um this interview. So thank you so much, and thank you listeners, and thank you Pamela for having me. Amazing show, I loved it. Excellent. I hope you enjoyed my interview with the lovely Tamar Mason. It is competition time now, and the question is. How long did it take Tamar to write her second ebook called Planting? Was it A, one day, B, two days, or three, three days? Contact me on Instagram at lovingtheauthor with the correct answer by this Friday for your chance to win a copy of her book, Caribbean Vegan. Good luck, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now.